Hare Krishna. I welcome all to Everyday Chant Harinam Conference Call. Today we are very fortunate to have His Grace Sarvadik Das Prabhu from Mayapur, India to enlighten us on verse 14, chapter 8 of Canto 6. Hare Krishna Prabhu, please accept my humble obeisances. All glories to Srila Prabhupada and Guru Maharaj. Uh, please take over the call. Thank you. Just checking to make sure that you can hear me. Uh, yes, Prabhu, we can hear you. Okay, just checking. I've got a new gadget here, so I'm just checking. Okay. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Narayanam Namaskritta Naranjay Vandarotamam. Devim Sarasitin Vyasam Tatojayam Hidirayat. Nashta Prayeshabadveshu Nityam Bhagavati Sevaya Bhagavati Uttama Shloke Bhakti Bhagavati Maishthiti Krishna Swadamo Bhagavati Dharma Jana Nidisaha Kolo Nashta Dushamesha Puranita Dhanodita We are very fortunate to be reading Srimad Bhagavatam Canto 6, Chapter 8, beginning with text 14. There's no purports to speak of. 14, 15, 16. So we'll read the purport and comment on text 17. I'll read the English for these verses. May Lord Nishingade, who appeared as the enemy of Hiranyakashipu, protect me in all directions. His loud laughing vibrated in all directions and caused the pregnant wives of the Asuras to have miscarriages. May that Lord be kind enough to protect me in difficult places like the forest and battlefront. The supreme indestructible Lord is ascertained through the performance of ritualistic sacrifices and is therefore known as Yogeshwar. In his incarnation as Lord Bohr, he raised the planet Earth from the water at the bottom of the universe and kept it on his pointed tusks. May that Lord protect me from rogues on the street. May Parasharam protect me on the tops of mountains, and may the elder brother of Bharat, Lord Ramchandra, along with his brother Lakshmana, protect me in foreign countries. Support most divination of Prabhupada. There are three Ramas. One Rama is Parasharama, Jamadagna. Another Rama is Lord Ramchandra, and a third Rama is Lord Balaram. In this verse, the words Ramoji, Pateshrata, indicate Lord Parasharam. The brother of Bharat Maharaj and Lakshman is also Lord Ramchandra. One thing I can say about this purport, and we can say there's a fourth Rama also, Gopika Ramana, Krishna. So when we're chanting Hare Krishna Mahamantra, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, 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 Hare Hare. So that Rama can be Ramchandra, can be Balaram, can also mean Krishna, who is Radha Raman, Gopika Ramana. So according to one's taste, according to one's bhava, According to one's meditation, we should remember the Lord in this way when we chant the holy name. Otherwise, what is, what is our chanting? We're making some noise and we're pulling beads. We should bring our mind to Krishna, the person Krishna, his holy name, his nam, gun, rud, lila, parikar, his name, form, activities, qualities, pastimes should bring our mind to that when we're chanting. And this is the struggle 
to be attentive when we're chanting Srila Bhaktivinoda comments that it's a grievous offense to be inattentive, that this is the most common offense that we all experience is to drag the mind back to the Lord when we're vibrating his holy name. Lord says in Bhagavad Gita, to whatever and wherever the mind wanders due to its flickering, flickering and unsteady nature, uh, one should control it and bring it back under control of the self. So this is the struggle of Japa, to bring our mind to the personality of Godhead. So we can think of Balarama, Rama, Jasarati Rama, or we can think of Krishna, Radhika Raman, or we can think, here's Prabhupada mentions, as Parasharam. So, text 16. May Lord Narayan protect me from unnecessarily following false religious systems and falling from my duties due to madness. May the Lord in his appearance as Nara protect me from unnecessary pride. May Lord Dattatreya, the master of all mystic power, Protect me from falling while performing bhakti yoga. And may Lord Kapila, the master of all good qualities, protect me from the material bondage of fruitive activities. Text 17. Sanat Kumara, the great Brahmacharya name, Sanat Kumara, Abhatu. May he protect Kama Devat from the hands of Cupid or lusty desire. Hayashirsha, Lord Hayagriva, the incarnation of the Lord whose head is like that of a horse. Mom, me, Pati, on behalf, Devahilanat, from neglecting to offer respectful obeisances to Brahmanas, Vaishnavas, and the Supreme Lord. Devarshi Bharya, the best of saintly sages, Narada, Purusha Archana Antara, from the offenses and worshiping the deity, Kurma, Lord Kurma, the tortoise, Hari, the supreme personality of Godhead, Mam, Me, Nariyad, from hell, Asheshad, unlimited. Translation, May Sanat Kumara protect me from lusty desires. As I begin some auspicious activity, may Lord Hayagriva protect me from being an offender by neglecting to offer respectful obeisances to the Supreme Lord. May Devarshi Narada protect me from committing offenses and worshiping the deity. And may Lord Kurma, the tortoise, protect me from falling into unlimited hellish planets. Report by His Divine Grace, Srila Prabhupada. Srila Prabhupada, Lusty desires are very strong in everyone, and they are the greatest impediment to the discharge of devotional service. Therefore, those who are very much influenced by lust and desires are advised to take shelter of Sanat Kumar, the great Brahmachari devotee. Narada Muni, who is the guide for Archana, is the author of Narada Pancharatra, which prescribes the regulative principles for worshiping the deity. Everyone engaged in deity worship, whether at home or in the temple, should always seek the mercy of Devarshi Narada in order to avoid the 32 offenses while worshiping the deity. These offenses in deity worship are mentioned in the nectar of devotion. Omagyana timiran tasya gyanam jana shalaka chakshurun vidipan vena tasmai shi gurave nama.
ಶಚಿಪಚ್ರಮಚ್ರಾಸ್ಯಂಪ್ರದಾಯಕಿಜಾಮೇಶ ಶ್ರೀಚೈತನ್ಯಮಹಾಪ್ರಭುಚೋತಿಯಕ್ಷಾಧಿಷ್ಠಿಷ್ಠಾಪಕ್ತಿಶ್ಚೈತನ್
that just see the powerful nature. My my Maya is insurmountable. And the only way to surmount it, Mami surrender to Krishna. So the whole process of freeing ourselves from lust is to reawaken our original nature because lust will revert to love by the process of bhakti. This is an essential thing to understand that lust will revert. It, it, lust becomes love in due course of time by the influence of Krishna bhakti. So our whole um, program in Krishna consciousness is to beat down this obnoxious, sinful enemy called lust, that all-devouring sinful enemy, Bhagavad Gita says. And there's a formula to do that. Of course, we should, we should understand what is lust. Typically, when we talk about lust, we think of sex. But it's not just sex. It's lust for influence, lust for power, for recognition, for sense gratification, appreciation, beauty, food, money. It's a very long list. We lust for all these things. Basically, our whole material existence is based on this principle. How will I enjoy my mind and body? And this is the essential principle of lust that manifests itself in all these different ways. So Krishna gives a formula how to overcome lust in the third chapter. There he says, very very dangerous because it drags us one lifetime to another to another to another and what is the process to overcome Krishna gives a very scientific way that we can analyze our situation. First, he says, Indriyami Paranyahu. Above this gross material body that we can quantify, we can put it on a scale, we can measure how high, how wide, how we can quantify our body. It's dull matter. Above that are our senses. We can't quantify senses. You can't put sight on a scale. You can't say what size it is how much it weighs, what it smells like. It exists, we're seeing, we're hearing five senses, jnanendriyas uh, gyan, and karmendriyas, five knowledge acquiring senses and five act, uh, acting senses by which we work in the world. They're subtle, more subtle than the body. So indriyani paranyahur, indriyabhya paramana, above our indriyas, above the senses, the ten working and knowledge, five five knowledge gathering, the five working senses, are is the mind. And mind really is our whole problem in this whole material world. This is explained in Bhagavatam in many many places, um, especially in this Diksha Gita, Dikshu Gita, in eleven eleven canto Shrimad Bhagavatam. There was a very uh, unsavory, envious deceitful, uh, miserly man who was a merchant. And due course of time, he lost everything. Thieves came, he lost his business, he lost everything. He, he embraced Sanyas Ashram and had some powerful realizations, what a rascal he was. And he suffered intensely. People would come and they'd pass air in front of him. They'd steal his danda, steal his mala, pass urine on his food, throw stones at him, throw mud, throw feces at him, call him ill names. He was suffering intensely. But he stated 
that the real suffering is caused not by other people, not by nakshatras, by karma, by jyotish, by my own body. What is the suffering? What is the cause of our suffering in this world? Our own mind. This is an important lesson to understand. So where, where does lust live? Primarily it lives not just in our senses, but in our mind. That I will enjoy this world. And this has to be overcome. So indriyabhya paramana, above the senses is the mind. But what is above the mind? Uh, above the mind is the intelligence. So with our intelligence, we're meant to control the activities of the mind. And this is, frankly speaking, the most important tool we have in our, uh, uh, our ammo box to control the activities of the mind. Because the, the intelligence is meant for this purpose. We're always analyzing what is good for me, what is bad for me. And the mind will propose the most insane things, completely inauspicious, sinful, crazy things the mind will come up with. Because we've been stuck, <laughs> we've been stuck with this mind, same mind, for millions of lifetimes. Mind is one. Krishna says in Gita, Mind is one of the bina prakriti ashtada, eight separated material energies of the Lord. Why is our mouth wet? Because there's water in our body. Why is our body warm? Because there's fire in our body. We burp, we pass air because there's air in our body. All these elements exist in our body and mind also exists in our body. It's a material element and it's programmed to act in a particular way. So as we existed in this world, we, we accumulate different mental impressions that well up at different circumstances in our life. And with our intelligence, we're meant to discriminate. This is my mind. It's easier to understand, I am not my body. We can look at our hand and say, am I a fingernail, a tendon, a blood vessel, a bone? We're none of those things. It's very easy to distinguish between the self and the body, but much more difficult to distinguish between the body, the, the mind and the self. Because we've been stuck, we've been just burdened with the same mind for millions of lifetimes, full of different impressions. So the key, the real key that is helpful in our arsenal to conquer the mind is intelligence. And intelligence is strengthened by the process of hearing, hearing transcendental sound vibration and assimilating knowledge we hear from Shastra. So next verse is evam buddhi param buddha samstam yatmanam atmana jahi shattam conquer this shatram, this enemy by understanding oneself to be transcendental to body, mind, senses, and intellect. We are the self, the highest conception of self. Atma means the body, it means the mind, it means the intellect, but ultimately the highest, most purified rarefied conception of atma means the self our soul our spirit soul the jivatma so how to disentangle the jivatma from uh, matter the the, the, uh, the nasty nature chanchi krishna says chanchalam krishna 
Pramanti Balavad Vidham Tatsyaham Nigraham Mande Vaya Eva Sudhishkaram. The mind's powerful, difficult to control, obstinate, more difficult to control than the wind. So not, this arsenal, we should take shelter of our intelligence. Intelligence is strengthened by hearing, especially transcendental knowledge. And in this way, not be dragged by our mind. What is the difference between a non-devotee and a devotee? Mano shastindra, uh, mana. What is that? It's explained in Bhagavatam. Deva, uh, I'm forgetting the verse. Anyway, that we're dragged. Mano retainasatodhavatobihi. A non-devotee is dragged on the chariot, the chariot of his own mind. But a devotee, he develops all good qualities of the demigods for the process of Krishna Bhakti. And what is what are the main qualities? Learning to control the mind. Prabhu, Yashasti Bhagavati. Yes, thank you, Prabhu. I've become old and I can't remember many things. Yashasti Bhakti Bhagavati Kinshana Sava is going to talk to Samasati Sura. So abhaktas, the abhaktas are dragged by their mind. So shall we be like the abhaktas or shall we control their mind? The difference between the devotees and the non-devotees is we understand I am not this mind and I need to control it. <laughs> you ask any non-devotee, ask them about mental, like what are you talking about? What in the world are you talking about? They have no conception. Because they think, I am my mind. I am hungry. I am thirsty. I am hot. I am cold. I am lusty. I am greedy. I am envious. I, 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 I. These are all mental conceptions. Mental and bodily conceptions of life. They have no conception that the mind is different from the self. No conception that the body is different from the self. Therefore, devotees are the foremost, topmost revolutionary people. We're introducing the most revolutionary ideas. You are not your mind. You are not your body. What is lust that just lives in your mind? Kick it out. And that is a process. We call that sadhana bhakti. It's not that you can snap your fingers and overnight, from tomorrow, I will no longer experience lust, envy, greed, misery. It's not possible. But the, the key, Krishna says, we can conquer the pushing of the mind by detachment and practice, by neglecting the mind. And my dear mind, I understand what you're saying. Please shut up. And we pray. We cross through the entire ocean, Babasindu, by fixing our mind on Krishna. Savaimana Krishna Padaravinde. Fix the mind. And the lotus feet of Krishna. This is the whole struggle for sadhana in the initial stages of sadhana. So Bhaktivinoda Thakur, I found one nice quote. Bhaktivinoda Thakur says here, the soul's original eternal nature is pure love within the innermost core of its spiritually conscious form. And the sole object of that pure love is Lord Hari. Alas, how lamentable it is that this inherent ecstatic love is now lying in a dormant state due to the artificial covering of this temporary lust. My dear mind, banishing this lust to a distant place, just rouse and reawaken your sleeping framework. 
This is very nice, nice uh, prayer made by Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur. That we are dormant identity as we're living. Krishna, Nitya Siddha Krishna Prema, Prabhupada would quote this verse thousands, hundreds of times. Nitya, Nitya, Nitya Siddha Krishna Prema Sadhya Kavanoi Shravanadi Shuddha Chitte Koriya Udvai. That our, our eternal perfection, our Siddha perfection, is that we're lovers of God, that it's been covered like the most precious gem, most brilliant, attractive gem covered by mud. So sadhana means to chip away that mud and reveal what we are. Kabunoi means you don't have to, you don't have to go somewhere else to get it. We have it. Like example is given of a musk deer. A musk deer has this gland on his body that makes beautiful scent. It's very favorite to Lord Jagannath. So he's wandering the forest and he's smelling this divine scent. And he's thinking, where is it coming from? Where is this scent coming? He's looking everywhere. Where is the scent? He doesn't realize it's coming from you. It's coming from you. So where, where does is, is happiness come from? Satisfaction? Prema? Comes from the self. Kabunoi. It is our nature. And bhakti means to awaken it. But that requires conquering the mind, conquering lust, all these different things. And this is a process. There's a nice couple of verses in Bhagavatam that are relevant. I don't know them by heart, but let me read the translation from the 11th canto, two verses in the 11th canto, chapter 14. My dear Uddhava, if my devotee has not fully conquered his senses, he may be harassed by material desires. But because, because of his unflinching devotion to me, he will not be defeated by sense gratification. It's important understanding. Who has fully conquered their senses? This is our objective. This is a, a goal, an achievement on the path. It's not that you come to Krishna Bhakti immediately because you've picked up a mala, you've conquered your mind and senses. Not possible. This is a process and it takes time and dedication and patience. Be patient. Dharya, because that's not going to happen overnight. So even though he may be harassed by material desires, because of his unflinching devotion to me, he will not be defeated by sense gratification. So one time, Srila Prabhupada was asked by a Gaibali. He says, there's this verse in Bhagavatam, Mamcha Yogi Vicharina Bhakti Yogi Nasevate Sagunam Samati Chaitan Brahma Bhulyaya Kalpate that when we take up devotional service, we transcend the influence and the modes of material nature. But Srila Prabhupada, I'm not feeling very transcendental. What to do? How to understand this, Srila Prabhupada? Prabhupada gave a nice example. He says, if you're riding on a boat, the nature of a boat on water is it's not steady. The waves come and the whole boat rocks and you may feel I'm going to fall out of the boat. But if you think, I'm going to fall into the boat. Let me, let me try and swim for it. You will drown. But if you stay in the boat, regardless of the way it's rocking, you will reach the other shore. So life is full of the waves of different disappointments, different challenges, mental, sensual challenges that come to us. But if we continue the process of bhakti, Krishna says here, he will not be defeated by sense gratification. There's also a very nice verse in the 20th chapter of Bhagavatam, 11th canto. Having awakened faith in the narrations of my glories, being disgusted with all material activities, knowing that all sense gratification leads to misery, but 
Still being unable to renounce all sense enjoyment, my devotee should remain happy and worship me with great faith and conviction. Even though he is sometimes engaged in sense enjoyment, my devotee knows that all sense gratification leads to a miserable result and he sincerely repents such activities. This is very important understanding that Lord is telling the Uddhava. As my devotee, devotees, we're not perfect. We're trying to become perfect. So we get up, we may fall. You get up and you may fall, but you keep going. This is a nice verse to say in relationship with worship of the deity, which we'll also get to in the course of time. This means that if I'm walking on the ground, I may trip and fall on the ground, but if I want to walk, what shelter do I have but the ground? In the same way, my dear Lord, I make thousands I make thousands of offenses to you day and night. And thinking of me as your servant, please forgive all of that. So we trip, on the, we trip, we make offenses to the Lord. But what other shelter do we have but the Lord's lotus feet? There is no other shelter. So even though we're offenders, we may fall. Lord's saying here, my devotee should remain happy and worship me with great faith and conviction. Tato bhajeta mam prita Even you fall, pick yourself up and can you continue the process. Because Krishna is completely understanding, Lord is completely understanding that we've been in this material world for millions of births maybe. And that immediately we're going to leave all sense gratification, all mental disturbances, just overnight. Bhakti is a process. So we should be patient, understanding Lord is very, very kind, and have the determination to keep going in bhakti because our success is guaranteed. There's a nice example in Bhagavad That bhakti is like a person running through the forest at night with his eyes closed, and he'll never trip or fall. He'll never run into a tree. He'll never meet any danger because Krishna is helping. He's pulling us out of the material world. Because he's very, very the this, this soul is very, very dear. Manmana bhava mad bhakto madhyajimam namaskuru. Mami vashusi satyam te pratijanyo priyosime. Krishna says, you're very dear to me. Therefore, I'm giving you this confidential information. Just think of me. Bring your mind to me. Bhava mad bhakto, become my devotee. Offer your obeisances to me. Worship me. Surely you'll come to me. Because you're very dear to me. We should remember that this isn't an impersonal process. We have a personal relationship with God who is, has, is full of love and compassion for the conditioned soul. He wants us to come back to him. He's waiting for us. And go look up. When Lord Chaitanya prayed, Jeev Jago, Jeev Jago, Gora Chandrabol, Kota Nidra Jao Maya Pishachirakole. How long you'll stay and you'll sleep in the lap of the witch called Maya? How long? So Krishna's waiting. How long you want to stay? How long you want to do this dance with lust, greed, envy, and all these negative things? How long? I'm waiting for you. Come on. Everyone's waiting for you in Goloka. We're having too much fun and you're struggling in the material world? Stupid fool. Take to bhakti. Mame kam sharanam braja. Take to my devotional service and come back to me. But it requires that we control our mind. And controlling the mind, then we can control lust. 
And Prabhupada said, there's no other solution. There's no anti-lust pill you can take. People, <laughs> people take pills to go in the opposite direction, but there's no pill you can take to become free from lust, free from envy, from greed, from old age, disease, birth. The only pill is Naramayam Krishna Rasayana Piba. Take this Rasayana of the holy name of Krishna and be happy in devotional life and be successful. So another thing in the, in the uh, verse I wanted to speak about, uh, the purport says, uh, may, as I begin some auspicious activity, may Lord Hayagriva protect me from being an offender by neglecting to offer respectful obeisances to the Supreme Lord. So Lord says in Gita, Yat Kuroshi Adashis, Yashahosi Dirasi, Yat, Yat Tabasasi Kontaya Matkurishwa Madarpanam. Whatever you do, whatever you eat, whatever you offer, whatever you give away, whatever austerity you perform, Madarpanam, do as an offering to me. Make Krishna your partner in life. Whatever you do, do in remembrance of him. From the beginning of life to Ante Narayana Smriti till the end of life. Smith, always fix your mind. Remember Krishna. If you're starting a business, remember Krishna. If you're starting a journey, re remember Krishna. If you're getting up in the morning, first thing, Balo Hari Hari Mukunda Murari Rama Krishna Hayagriva. First thing, remember Krishna. As soon as you open your eyes, remember Krishna. And always seek his blessing whatever actions you perform because there's five factors in every action. It's not just you. Kartaha Miti Manyate. Don't think you're doing everything. Krishna is the ultimate sanctioner of anything we do. So we need to remember him whenever we do something. Place of action, the performer, the senses, the endeavor, ultimately the super soul. So whatever we do, we should remember Krishna. Now there's a very beautiful story in this regard about the king of Vijayanagara, Suluva Narasimha, and uh, Maharaj Purushottam Dev, who is the king, of Puri, he's the father of our uh, Maharaj Prataparudra, who had relationship with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and with whom we're more familiar. So this king of Bijanagar wanted to offer his daughter Putmavati to the king uh, of Puri, Purushottam Dev. And he brought his, he came there to, as marriage situations go, to check out the boy, to see the boy, to see the potential groom. And when he saw Purushottam Dev sweeping in front of Jagannath, he thought, impossible. My daughter, cannot <laughs> My daughter cannot marry a sweeper. This is the most powerful position, the most safe position, the most honorable position, the most ecstatic position to become menial servant of the Lord. But this foolish king thought, who is this Purushottam Dev? He's sweeping the road. I'll not give my daughter to him. So he insulted Purushottam Dev. Not a good idea. So Purushottam Dev rallied his army and he invaded the kingdom of the king of Vijayanagar. But he forgot something very, very important. He forgot to ask blessing from Lord Jagannath. So in that battle, that first attack, first attempt to take the daughter back, to take the kingdom, to put the king of Vijayanagara in his place, he lost the battle. 
He didn't take permission. He didn't take blessing from Lord Jagannath. And the second time he went, as soon as he came back, broken man, defeated in the battle, he came and threw himself, Shastanga Dandavat Pranam, to Jagannath Swami, begging forgiveness and begging his blessing. So he rallied his army again, and he defeated the king of Vijayanagara. And he brought back not only the daughter of the king of Vijayanagara after conquering his kingdom, usurping his kingdom. He brought back a large Ganesh deity and he brought back Sakshi Gopal. Sakshi Gopal was there in Vijayanagara. We read in Chaitanya Charitamrita the story of the beautiful story of Sakshi Nagar. And this is how Sakshi, Nagar, Sakshi Gopal came from Vijayanagara, where he bore witness to the two Brahmins. How did he get from there? To uh, I'm forgetting the name. Anyway, near Ramuna. What was the name of the village? Was actually Gopal again? Satyavadi. He's in Satyavadi now. There's a railway stop, Sakshi Gopal railway stop. So this is how he got there. King Purushottam did conquered the kingdom. He brought Ganesh, he brought Gopal, he brought the girl. He was successful by the grace of Jagannath and Baldev, who actually preceded him in the army. They walked before him, disguised, and they approached one lady. This is a nice leela. I'll say personally named Manika. And they were very hungry, so she was a shopkeeper. So she fed them, and they said, we have no money, but let me give you this ring. And when King Purushottam Dev comes, you show him this ring and he will pay the debt. So when King Purushottam Dev came and he saw this ring, he was quite astonished that this is Jagannath, this is my Lord's ring. He accompanied me into the battlefield. So there's nice stories about how we should also always take blessing to the Lord whenever we do. And every moment we should be thinking when we get in our car to go to work, go shopping, we start on a journey, we open a business, at a wedding, at a name giving, at a few, whenever we do, Krishna should be part of that. Krishna should be our partner. Now there's a whole section here on deity worship. We'll see how much we can get through. Because we're, Prabhupada explains in the purport that we should take blessings from Narada Muni, who is described in this verse, Uh, anyway, I'm not seeing it. Anyway, as Burish, uh, anyway, he's the topmost, topmost saintly person. And he gave this, there's two things, Pancharatriki Vidhi and Bhagavad Vidhi. Pancharatriki Vidhi means following Pancharatra, Narada Pancharatra, the Shastra given by Narada Muni how to worship the deity, because there's a process. Srila Prabhupada mentions that the greatest danger that can come to our ISKCON is if we concoct the, a system of deity worship, if we don't follow Shastra. If we expect to have established a relationship with the deity, to see him, as we read in Chaitanya Chans, Hmm. That you're directly, you're directly the son of Nanda Maharaj. 
if we want to see Krishna as Krishna, not as a statue, if we want to see him present personally, then we have to follow the rules. You'll not become perfect in deity worship. You'll not be happy. You'll not attain perfection. You'll not go back to Godhead if we reject Shastra Vidhi. So that Shastra that regulates and governs the process of deity worship is called Pancharatriti Vidhi and is given by Narada Muni, Narada Pancharatra. Prabhupada writes uh, in this section of Bhagavatam, there's some nice quotes that I extracted where these different offenses are mentioned that we'll get to. He says, an opulent householder can collect luxurious paraphernalia for deity worship. And consequently, for householder devotees, the worship of the deity is compulsory. That means that when we're working and, and accumulating money, which is grihasta dharma, nothing wrong. Grihasta dharma means we have a relationship with money. But what to do with that money? Sense gratification, our sense gratification, or Krishna's sense gratification. So if we have the means, if we have sufficient opulence, we should offer the very best thing we can procure for the satisfaction of our home deity. Jagannath, Radha Govinda, Gornitai, Shalagam, Giriraj, however you're worshipping at home, get the very best thing you can and offer it to the Lord. Srila Prabhupada was very heavy one time. He saw some devotees offering some stale flowers. He said, you're offering this 300-year-old flower to Krishna through it. Another time they brought rice to him that had been scorched, slightly burned. He just tossed it off his plate. He, how can you offer this to Krishna? How can you offer some nasty thing to Krishna? He's God. And we should collect the best thing we can. This is how we worship Krishna in our home situation. We can't worship the home deity as the deity is worshipped in the temple. Six offerings, six aratis. Two, two dressings, waking, put, we can wake and put to sleep, but changing the dress twice, changing dress every day. We can, we should have a decent deity standard, but we can't do, have the same standard as in the temple because we have families to take care of. We have jobs to do. We have other responsibilities. So the principle of worshiping the deity at home is that you give Krishna the very best thing you can afford. For example, if your parents come, or your guru comes, or visiting sannyasi comes, do you give him some, some shamble corner of your house, some rag for a blanket? No, you give him, you get, you give him your room, you give him your bed, you give him the very best situation you can give him. You give him the very best food you can arrange, because he's an important guest. So we worship Krishna in home worship in this way, considering he's come to my home. He's Lord has come to my home. And we give him the very best thing we can arrange, the very best bed, the very best bhoga, the very best comfort that we can manage. And in this way, worship Krishna in a, in a friendly, loving, family way. And this is a wonderful way to worship the Lord. But Prabhupada says here, it's compulsory for opulent householders, for every householder actually, to worship the deity according to their means. Prabhupada writes, Grihasta devotees, however, are generally engaged in material activities. And therefore, if they do not take to deity worship, their falling down is positively assured. This is the principle of deity worship, to maintain purity of mind and purity of body. 
that you can't just jump on, get out of bed without brushing your teeth, bathing, or using the bathroom and jump on the altar. Don't think that you're on Ragamard platform and you can do that. It's purity of mind, Buddha Shuddhi, Mana Shuddhi is required. Purity of mind and body is required to approach the deity. So there's a process that's described in Narada Pancharatra to approach the deity, how to approach the deity and establish a relationship. There's rules. So if we don't take to that system that's meant to awaken our love of God, meant to awaken a personal relationship, then Prabhupada says here, they're falling down, is positively assured. He writes again, any householder devotee circumstantially unable to worship the deity must at least see the deity worship. And in this way, he may achieve success also. So if a devotee by circumstance isn't, doesn't have deity established in his home, he should go to the home of a devotee that is doing deity worship, has a nice standard of deity worship, or he, he should go to the local temple to worship the deity. He should have some system of worship to maintain that connection with Krishna in the form of the deity who is known as Archa Avatar. He's descending in the form of the deity. He's your soul, your uh, super soul, this uh, Kirodakshayi Vishnu who is manifest in our heart, comes out, manifests himself personally as the deity by devotee's desire. What can we see with our eyes? Can we see spirit? I used to work in an uh, emergency room in a manual hospital in Portland, Oregon. I was a volunteer. My father was a doctor. He wanted me to become a doctor. So I ended up doing some volunteer work in the emergency room. Sometimes people come in with horrendous injuries, auto accidents, murders, so many horrendous things. One moment they're there and suffering. And the next moment when the soul leaves, it's simply a lump of dead flesh. But do we see, can we see that little spark of Atma drifting off into space? We can't see even the soul, what to speak of seeing the Supreme Soul. We have no eyes to see spirit with these material eyes. So Krishna comes in a form that we can see, we can handle, we can wake Krishna up, we can put Krishna to bed, we can bathe Krishna, we can feed Krishna, we can offer arati to Krishna, we can do pranam to Krishna, we can bow down, we can remember Krishna throughout the day. This is Archa Avatar, how he incarnates in the form of the deity out of his causeless mercy to the conditioned soul. Here's a form that you can see in your conditioned life. And this is deity worship. Prabhupada gives an example. He says a mystery or an electrician by manipulation of material energy, of electrical energy can create heat and it can create cold. So what is material for Krishna can become fully spiritual. And what is fully spiritual can become material. Because ultimately what is, what is material and what is, it's all spiritual. Bhagavatam says, Idam hi vishwam bhagavani vetraha. The entire creation is nothing but Krishna. So by the devotee's desire, by his uh, uh, intense desire to have relationship with Krishna, that which is material to our vision becomes fully spiritual because Krishna agrees to come and accept our service. And this is deity worship. So Prabhupada says it's compulsory for householder devotees to observe 
festivals also, Nishinga Chaturdasi, Gaur Purnima, Ram Navami, Janmashtami, compulsory to observe these festivals also, either at home or with other devotees in their temple or at the local Iskand temple. Prabhupada says something interesting also. Let me read this. He says, by chanting the holy name of the Lord, one can reach the platform of love of Godhead. One might ask then, what is the necessity of being initiated? You understand? If we can chant the holy name of the Lord and get love of God, why have a guru? Why get initiated? Prabhupada writes, the answer is that even though the chanting of the holy name is sufficient to enable one to progress in spiritual life, to the standard of love of Godhead, one is nonetheless susceptible to contamination because of possessing the material body. Consequently, such special stress is given to the Archana Bhigi. One should therefore regularly take advantage of both the Bhagavad process and the Pancharatriki Bhigi, uh, Pancharatriki process. And to approach to worship the deity, one requires guru, one requires mantra. He has to receive mantra from guru. Otherwise, Sampradaya Bihina say Sampradaya Bihina say Mantra stay Nishpalamata. You can read all these mantras. They're all in Prabhupada's books. All Gayatri mantras are printed in Prabhupada's books. Can you just like copy them out, start chanting? You need to get mantra from Guru. So Guru is required, initiation is required to worship Pancharat Triki process. Bhagavad process means chanting the holy name, Harinam Sankirtan, book distribution. This is Bhagavad Didi, and that is sufficient in itself to deliver us. Holy name will deliver us just by itself, just by himself, I should say. But to maintain purity, to, to establish, to fix in our mind that holy name is a person, deity worship is advised. Bhaktivinoda Thakur said something very amazing I read the other day. He says, the holy name will take me by the hand and lead me back to Goloka. Consider the meaning, the import of this statement, that the holy name will take me by the hand and lead me back to Goloka. What does it mean? It means holy name has hands. Holy name has beautiful reddish lotus feet decorated with ankle bells and toe rings. Holy name has beautiful pitambara doti. Holy name has vajayanti mala. Holy name has beautiful lotus like eyes and beautiful earrings and peacock feather and playing flute, holy name plays flute. He's a person. So that may be more difficult to realize, but the process of deity worship, they here he is. What is Krishna wearing today? What is Radharani wearing today? What did I offer them today? What is Gornitai wearing today? To conceptualize the form and personality of the deity past the impersonal conception Deity worship is important. So there's a whole list of offenses. I'll try and run through these quickly and comment a little bit here and there. These are mentioned in Srimad Bhagavatam. The following are offenses. A, to enter the temple with shoes or being carried in a palanquin. We have to enter the temple with respect. Take off your shoes. They're dirty. They've been everywhere. Take them off. B, not to observe the prescribed festivals. We observe each other's birthday. We sing happy birthday to you. Why not observe Lord's birthday? He's a person. We should be grateful when he appears, when he has some lila, govardhan puja, when his appearance day. We have to observe those festivals. If we don't, this is an offense. 
See, to avoid offering obeisances in front of the deity, Krishna says, Namaskuru, bow down to me. If you don't do it, this is an offense. To offer prayers in an unclean state, not having washed one's hands after eating. Self-explanatory. Be clean, wash your hands and mouth. E, to offer obeisances with one hand. Devotees do this sometimes. They have their bead bag in one hand. They're holding their bead bag up in one hand and they're sling your bead bag on your back or let someone else hold it, but put both hands on the ground. This is called Shastanga Dandavat Param with eight angas of your body touching the ground, not with one hand. F, to circumambulate the deity directly in front of the deity. If you want to circumambulate it in front of the deity, close the curtains. G, to spread one's legs before the deity. One should sit with legs crossed before the deity. H, to sit before the deity while holding one's ankles with one's hands. I, to lie down before the deity. If you want to take a nap, go find someplace else. J, to eat before the deity. This, does, this doesn't mean you can't take charanamrit or pop in your mouth some small morsel of prasadam, but to sit down with a plate and eat, licking your hands and think, this is forbidden to eat before the deity, to speak lies before the deity, because Krishna's witness of every, every heartbeat, every thought, every action, and to think you can, to, to speak a lie means you're not acknowledging that he's the super soul, that he's the knower of everything, that he knows your heart, he knows, and to speak a lie means you're not acknowledging him as a person. Previously, they would settle disagreements. They'd bring two disagreeing parties before the deity. Now, it's tell your story. And in those days, no one would dare lie before the deity. Uh, L, to address someone loudly before the deity. No shouting in front of the temple, in front of the deity of the temple. M, to talk nonsense before the deity. In other words, Krishna is a person and respect his presence. If you're not respecting his presence, how are you being respectful? Just talking some nonsense, gossiping. And to cry before the deity. This doesn't mean crying tears of love. This means wailing, some lamentation. No, I'm so unhappy. I lost money or someone died or not this type of tear. Tears of ecstasy, tears of love are appropriate, but not other kind of, not hot tears, not tears of ecstasy. Tears of ecstasy are permissible, but not other kinds of tears. Oh, to argue before the deity, the same thing, to chastise someone before the deity, to show someone favor, like to glorify them. We should be careful about this. When we have festivals and we acknowledge our donors, sometimes we make a big, big deal. Oh, Mr. Patel, Mr. Patel has given $10,000. Let's hear it for Mr. Patel. And everybody goes, party ball, Mr. Patel. This is inappropriate. This is an offense to the deity. Yeah. To use harsh words before the deity, to wear a woolen blanket before the deity. This we should understand. In wintertime, everyone's wearing a woolen blanket, chadar, because they're cold. This means not to cover yourself with a woolen blanket before the deity. Like sometimes devotees sometimes cover their head because to minimize sensual distraction, they may cover their body with a woolen blanket. This isn't to be done in front of the deity. 
you want to cover your body with a woolen blanket to chant your japa, do it, but not in front of the deity. Say to blast someone before the deity. Say all these things, blaspheming, harsh words, chastising, lying. We should act properly in front of the Supreme Lord. You to worship someone else before the deity. So someone may say, we worship Srila Prabhupada every day before the deity. Guru Puja. So this is an Indic and Prabhupada acknowledges and he accepted that worship before the deity. So why are we doing this? that Srila Prabhupada and Bonafide Spiritual Master are as good as the deity. Although Srila Prabhupada mentions in one purport in the fifth Antyaf, no, Madhya 5 of Chaitanya Charitamrita, when Lord Chaitanya was having his, they're cleansing the temple of Gundicha. And when Bengali Brahman bathed the feet of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Mahaprabhu chastised him, Prabhupada comments in the verse that a guru should not allow his feet to be washed or should not allow himself to be worshipped in front of the deity. So what is Prabhupada saying about his position? Allowing himself to have his feet bathed in front of the deity, to be worshipped in front of the deity. Srila Prabhupada is showing his unique position in society. But our Iskanacharyas should follow the instructions of our guru, our preeminent Siksha guru, as found in the purport in the fifth Madhya uh, 5, Chaitanya Charitamrita. Not to, this is, it appears this Gunjicha Marjan Lila. So we should follow Prabhupada's instructions and not do that, although he did it. Don't say, oh, Prabhupada did it, I can do it. You're not Prabhupada. None of us are Prabhupada. We should observe his instructions. To use vulgar language between the deity, to pass error before the deity, of course. To avoid, very, to avoid very opulent worship of the deity, even though one is able to perform it. This like Krishna says in Bhagavad that Krishna says, just offer me a fruit, a glass of water, a tulsi leaf. Plus, good, that's all he wants. I'll eat puri, halava, cham cham, rasmalai, palak paneer, pakora, samosa, and I'll give Krishna a glass of water and a tulsi leaf? No. We should offer Krishna the most opulent thing that we can afford and take his remnants. Not, not be miserly, stingy in our worship of the Lord because it's his property. He's a controller and proprietor of everything. It's his energy. It's his property. And if we don't offer to him, that is an offense. To eat something not offered to the deity, don't eat boga. Sometimes we may be obliged socially if you're invited to a family wedding. Prabhupada also gave instruction to some devotees that you can eat some nut, some fruit, some satukahara, and in your mind, honor that as coming to me by the grace of the Lord as his prasad. But as a habit, you should not have a habit of eating boga because it will contaminate your mind, especially food grains cooked by non-devotees. To avoid Z, to offer, to avoid offering fresh fruits to the deity according to the season. So if it's in season, even of course in America, everything's in season in the grocery store. Found something nice, find something nice and offer to Krishna. 
double A, to offer food to the deity which has already been used or a portion of which has first been given to others. In other words, food should not be distributed to anyone else until it has been offered to the deity. We can remember the story of Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. As a three-year-old child, he took a mango that was set aside to be offered to the deity. And Srila Bhakti Thakur, his father, mildly rebuked him. Like, why? You've done a very bad thing. This, this is for Krishna. This is for his happiness, for his pleasure. And you've taken it? Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur was so strict. Even in his old age, in the last years of his life, if his devotees Disciples offered him fresh mango. He said, no, I cannot take. I'm an offender. He never took from that day. The rest of his life, he never took mango. He was so strict about this point. So he should not take something that is meant to be offered to the deity. Double B, to sit with one's back towards the deity. Don't ignore the deity. He, face him. And same thing if we're having theatrical performances. If the actor's backs are to the deity, close the curtains. No one should have their back towards the deity. Double C, to offer obeisances to someone else in front of the deity. That's also mentioned in this purport in Chaitanya Charitamrita that a disciple should not offer obeisances to a spiritual master before the deity. Double D, not to chant proper prayers when offering obeisances to the spiritual master. So when you come on the temple, not no, articulate the mantra properly. Articulate the, your Guru Prana mantra when you come into the temple and do it nicely, loudly. Double E, to praise oneself before the deity. And double F, to blaspheme the demigods in the worship of the deity. These 32 offenses should be avoided. There's a whole list of other things, but we're out of time. So I'll stop here. Uh, I hope reciting these, you can go to, there's a whole list in the, if you just Google or if you just uh, do a search for 32 offenses that will come up. And there's a whole list of uh, 32 more. Bhaktivinoda Thakur also gives a list. So be happy. <laughs> We're chanting Harinam, there's only 10. But when you're worshiping the deity, be careful, because Sakshad Vrajendra Nandana, he's directly Krishna that's come to your home. Thank you very much for your kind attention. Srila Prabhupada, Kijai, Vansha, Kopatubhishta, Kopasandhagi, Vacha, Patitanam, Pavani, Jo, Vaishnavi, Jo, Namaha. Anyone has any comment or question? Thank you so much for elaborately explaining and also the last part of the offenses. Um, I just want to confirm like uh, we covered until 17 today, right, Prabhu? Yes. 14 to 17. Yes, thank you, Prabhu. Yeah. Uh, devotees have any questions or comments, please go ahead. Hare Krishna, Prabhuji Dandavat Pranam, all grace to Sri Prabhupada. Hi, Dandavat Pranam, Partha Prabhu, Ajay Srila Prabhupada. Hare Krishna. Such a nice class, your, uh, your scriptural knowledge, your uh, sadhana, your, any realizations, uh, and your practice. Of the deity worship, this is enriching us in every moment. All day, any time we hear from you, we get more and more purified. Thank you for your kind association and uh, and uh, uh, when you hear your lectures, you're able to relate everything very nicely and uh, uh, with the 
scripture and everything uh, all the concepts uh, sometimes uh, get clouded uh, uh, then they get cleared up so nicely thank you for your kind of speech i want a small question prabhu and uh, this um, um, in this in this sections there is seems to be more emphasis on the body bodily protection rather than protection of the uh, bhakti so uh, is it uh, um Uh, why is it uh... that's a very thoughtful question Prabhu. I meant to say something about that in the beginning because this whole thing is how to be protected in all the different uh, potentially dangerous circumstances of life and there's a huge list here there and everywhere there's all padam padam yad padam natesham there's danger at every step wherever we go there's danger so devotees asking the Lord for this protection, there's different standards of devotional service. The devotee knows that Konteya Pati, Krishna told Arjuna, Konteya Pati Janihi Nami Bhakta Pranashiti. Declare boldly, Arjuna, my devotee never perishes. So that doesn't just mean, you know, your business interest, your family interest, your bodily interest, but our bhakti will always go on. We, by our karma, Devotees meet dangerous circumstances. It's not that devotees never got in a car accident. Devotees never died from cancer. Devotees never had a failure in business because they're, because they're devotees. I mean, look at the lives of most intimate associates of the Lord. Mother Devaki had, had to witness the death of her own children. Mother, Mother Yashoda went blind crying for Krishna. Kunti Maharani was banished. The Pandavas lost their kingdom. So, but because of their devotion, they go very nice. Whatever Krishna wants to do, this is their devotion. Krishna is milking us for our devotion. So, vipada santuta shasvatatatata jagarguru bhavato darshanam yatsad aponar bhavadarshanam kunti mani pred. Let anything come. Let these dangers come one after another. Because when I see dangers, I see uh, some uh, reversal in life. I see you, and when I see you, I don't see repeated birth and death. So ultimately, protection means this, to always see Krishna at every circumstance in life. And Prabhupada comments about this extensively, looking for all of our charges, comment about this extensively. That bhakti doesn't mean just protect my material life, protect my business, my bank account, my body, my health, my, my youth, my family. Higher conception than what is being described here in this Narayan Kavacha uh, description is to accept Krishna, I'm yours. You trample me, you embrace me. Whatever you do, but you're my prananath. This is the highest conception that was taught to us by Shri by, uh, Taitanya Mahaprabhu. So don't misunderstand that our business in life is to pray to the Lord to be protected. He is protected, but we have our karma also. It's not to become, we become devotees, that there'll never be any disaster in our life. I'll give you an example. I have a god brother. He had two twin sons. He had five children, actually. Two twin sons. The elder of the two, by birth, consideration, was very, very fixed up in spiritual life. He was 22 years old, I think. Wanted to be a brahmachari, dedicate his whole life to the Lord. 
Uh, long story short, they're walking along train tracks at night. He didn't see where I was train hitting. He died instantly. So this is a huge disaster for the mother. Imagine the, the, the news reaching your, your wife or your ears that your son just died. This happens. This is the material world. Is, is it a place where these things don't happen? This, there's danger at every step. Can you imagine? I can't imagine. He had to take his son's body and wash the blood off and dress him and take him smashan for cremation. I can't imagine having to do that with your own son. But this is the material world. This is the material world. My own godbrother, I just lost him recently, a week ago. He was a very, very powerful devotee. He and his wife traveled all over South India together doing Harinam Sankirtan and preaching. Very powerful. Mr. Can-do guy. Built his own house, established his own business. Very outgoing, dynamic personality. He was uh, afflicted with, uh, what's this called, when you lose your memory? Uh, yeah. Dementia. <laughs> afflicted with dementia he had a he had a stroke he ended up in a nursing home in diapers didn't know who he was didn't recognize his own wife this is the nature this is the heavy nature of material world mama maya Durateya, that we've created by our karma we created a life for ourselves we're obliged to accept and being a devotee doesn't mean that nothing that I can just make these prayers in my life, the whole material world will bow at my feet and give me the satisfaction and happiness and prosperity I desire. It's not like that. So these are one one standard of prayer, but the highest standard of prayer is Lord Chaitanya's prayer. You trample me under your feet or you embrace me. You bless me or you take everything away. Prabhupada said this happened to him. Said the first installment of Lord's mercy takes everything away to make you completely dependent on Him. So we should contemplate these things also in our own life. And in due course of time, everything is taken from us. So where is shelter? Only in Krishna's lotus feet. Take shelter there and we'll not be disappointed. So we should consider these things judiciously uh, in a balanced, harmonious way. Hope that helps you understand, probably. Yes, well, you had so nice. Any other seva for me? Anyone else have any questions or comments? Okay, thank you all for thank your kind attention.